International schools are often well known for providing amazing PD for their staff. And yet often we're not quite sure on the tools that we can use to evaluate our professional development and to also make it better for the future. In this episode, I'm going to share with you a powerful tool to unlock the power of professional development in your school. Hey everyone, welcome to Global Ed Leaders, a podcast about education across countries and cultures. I'm Shane Leaning, an organizational coach, and in this show, I get to know the educators, the innovators, and the leaders making a difference in international schools around the world. Now, that usually involves interviews, but every other week, I like to do solo episodes to share with you some key strategies to support your leadership. And that's what today's episode is. I'm also delighted that today's episode is supported by the University of Warwick's Center for Teacher Education. Stay tuned to learn more or head to the show notes for links. So let's get right into it. How do we unlock the power of professional development in your school? In this episode, I want to share with you a report that you may have come across from an organization called the Education Endowment Foundation. Now, this organization is what's known as a clearinghouse. So you can kind of see it as a halfway house between research and universities and practice in schools. They interpret the research and make it accessible and digestible and usable for schools. And they've got a brilliant report that they brought out now a couple of years old called Effective Professional Development, which include big recommendations for designing and selecting effective professional development in your school. I'll put a link to this full report in the show notes, but I wanted to highlight some high level ideas, including something that I think is really powerful and can really help us. So when describing PD, the EF, they've divided it into three ways you can identify PD. So you can think about PD with forms, you can think about programs, and you can think about mechanisms. The forms of PD is the type of professional development you're doing. So it's kind of a big umbrella term. For example, you might be doing professional development through a workshop series. That's a form. Or instructional coaching. That's a form. Next to that is programs. So that comes then on the next stage. And programs are the specific interpretations of those forms. So for example, if we went with instructional coaching, we might use the form instructional coaching with the program by Jim Knight, his instructional coaching group, or we might use StepLab or some other program that delivers instructional coaching. And finally, and what I think is the most important, are the mechanisms. These are the key ingredients that make the professional development effective. The Education Endowment Foundation give a great example using the idea of toothpaste. If you're thinking about toothpaste, the mechanisms are like the active ingredients of that toothpaste. There's lots of things that go into toothpaste. There's lots of ingredients on those lists, but there are certain ones that are active ingredients. And when they're present in toothpaste, give the toothpaste a higher chance of being successful in its purpose. So for example, fluoride might be a strong indicator of a well-designed toothpaste. It's the same for professional development. There are actually mechanisms or active ingredients that increase your chances of success. And what the Education Endowment Foundation have done is they have created a set of 14 mechanisms and they've split that into four groups. 
So let me briefly go over those now and hang around because even if you're aware of these mechanisms, I've actually added four extra mechanisms at the end that I think also help us as international schools because we have a very specific context. So stick around for that. So the first group of mechanisms is around building knowledge. This is two two mechanisms here. One, managing cognitive load. So does your PD manage the cognitive load of participants, i.e. it's not providing too much, it's not providing too little, it's not overwhelming participants with too much overload. We've all been to PD where we've just felt barraged with new information. That's one. So thinking about mechanisms, if a program has actively managed cognitive load, that's plus one, tick. You can give yourself a pat on the back. It's just increased the chances of success for your program. The second one in building knowledge is revisiting prior learning. So does it link back to something that the teacher or the participant has learned before? If it does, extra tick. You've got two mechanisms in place now that give your program that much better chance of success in developing teachers. The second group has three mechanisms in and they all come under the umbrella of motivating teachers. So the first mechanism in that group is setting and agreeing on goals. Are there clear goals set for teachers that they know that that's what they're working on, that's what they're working to achieve, and they can measure success against that goal? Secondly is presenting information from a credible source. We are naturally wired to listen better when we think the source is credible. That could be an expert coming in externally, but it could be that you've built up a really good trust with your staff and they trust you with your knowledge. In that sense, that's a credible source. What is less likely to work is if you go in cold with someone who they don't know, they don't know the credibility of, we're less likely to learn from that kind of source. And third, in the motivated teacher section, is providing affirmation and reinforcement after progress has been made. And that's the key here, right? After progress, not fake affirmation and fake well dones, but when a teacher makes progress, After they've completed this PD, affirmation and reinforcement can really help. So there's three more. The more of these mechanisms you have in place, the more likely your PD is going to be successful. The third area is around developing teaching techniques. And this is a biggest area because there's a lot of work here, right? So there's five mechanisms in this area. The first is instructing teachers on how to perform a technique. It may sound obvious, but sometimes it's missing. Sometimes our PD can be heavily theoretical and doesn't actually instruct very clearly, how do you do this new thing I'm teaching you? Secondly, is around arranging social support. We work well in teams, well with a community around us that can help us and support us when things get tough. The third is modeling the technique. So actually not just instructing teachers how to perform it, but showing them through a clear model. That model doesn't necessarily have to be every teacher goes into a classroom to watch a technique. It might be using a video. It might be some other method of modeling. Fourth, we know this very well from our own teaching, is monitoring and providing feedback. It speaks for itself, but we need a feedback loop to help the teacher or the participant of the PD to reflect on their own practice and to get better. And fifth is rehearsing the technique. This is about safe rehearsal. 
So not necessarily rehearsing in the context, in the classroom, but actually having a chance to practice that technique in that safe area, maybe outside of the classroom, maybe using role play or another technique like that. So five mechanisms within developing teaching techniques. The more you have, the better your success. In this podcast, I often talk about how recruiting and developing top-notch teachers can be a big challenge for international school leaders. Luckily, the University of Warwick Centre for Teacher Education stands out. Their IQTS and PGCI with QTS courses are bespoke for our international setting, blending online learning with practical classroom experience. This approach not only addresses the immediate recruitment needs, but also fosters a long-term evidence-informed teaching ethos. Discover how you can support new teachers in your school with the University of Warwick using the links in the show notes. And the final group is about embedding practice. This has four mechanisms in it. The first is providing prompts and cues. Teaching is busy. Schools are busy. If we don't have prompts and cues to get us to actually practice those things that we've done, we're likely to just go back to normal practice. So that could be in your bulletins. You're reminding teachers, remember we've done this PD, have a go with it. It could be that you've got prompts in the in the classroom in some way. I mean, there's lots of ways you can do it. I even saw one school putting posters with the ideas on the back of bathroom stalls. Um, I'm not suggesting you should do that. Maybe that's intruding privacy a little too much, but I, I liked the idea. It was providing the prompt and a cue to keep it fresh in the teacher's minds. Closely linked to that is the next mechanism, which is about prompting action planning. So we talked about setting and agreeing goals, but great PD also provides a mechanism to action plan. Plan out how you're going to do it, the steps you're going to take. Thirdly is encouraging self-monitoring. Having a system to encourage teachers to keep reflecting on their own practice as they go. And fourth, and this is the final mechanism from the EEF, is prompting context-specific repetition. So prompting the idea that they're going to do it several times. EEF says at least three times that you're repeating this new technique in context. So right in your classroom, for example, if it's a teaching technique. So there's 14 mechanisms. But the big question that stands out to me is do all these mechanisms ensure that PD programs are sustainable in international school contexts? Now, I would argue that these mechanisms are great and I've used them so many times with schools I've worked with and with programs that I've developed. But I think there are four areas that we can also consider to make this more personal for international schools. Firstly, we know we have a natural teacher turnover in our schools. It's not necessarily a problem with international schools, it's just a feature. So given this, I would add another mechanism to think about how can we ensure sustainable leadership? Because our leaders come and go, that can mean that PD programmes sometimes can come and go as quickly as our leaders come and go. That's a problem. So we need to be thinking about also in a great PD program, how do we ensure sustainable leadership of this program? That might be putting it into policy. It might be sharing the leadership of the program between a group of leaders rather than one hand. There's different ways you can do it, 
that you can ensure that this program is going to be sustainable long past a single leader. The second challenge in international schools, I would say, is the cultural backgrounds. We have diverse cultural backgrounds of our staff. And that also means our staff can be used to learning in very different ways. I'm based in China, and I know that many Chinese staff have done their teacher training programs and learned in different ways to the British staff in schools I've worked with, for example. Your PD should take into context the cultural differences to learning professionally and ideally should adapt to that. So design with intercultural sensitivity. Thirdly, and I think this is actually applicable to all schools, but our schools have big school strategies. A lot of our schools have big strategic plans, school development plans, school improvement plans, however you call it, usually with top priorities. Again, when I've looked at successful PD, a lot of the time it's successful is when it's embedded into a whole school priority rather than running aside. This really ensures that you're not going to be conflicting between the whole school development and the PD you're trying to implement. And finally, really important, we know there is linguistic diversity in our school staff for international schools. Although English might be the medium of instruction and English might be the medium of communication in the school, that doesn't mean that for strong technical ideas in our PD, that all of our bilingual staff and multilingual staff will be really confident or quick enough to keep up with PD that's delivered in English. So sometimes you also have to think about, does this PD need to adapt for linguistic needs? So that's a recap. There's 14 mechanisms, but I would add four more to make 18. And those four more are ensuring sustainable leadership, designing with intercultural sensitivity, contextualizing within a wider strategy, and adapting for linguistic needs. I hope you found this useful. Now, I'm all for gamifying professional development and learning. So I am excited to let you know that I have created a PD scorecard that you can download. You can find a link in the show notes. It's a free scorecard that you can rate yourself against these different PD mechanisms, including those four I've mentioned, and it will give you a score. You can then try gamify and beat your score by improving your PD program. And the great thing is, is this scorecard also gives you next steps and strategies to get you to that next step. So download that using the link in the show notes below. Global Ed Leaders is hosted and produced by me, Shane Leaning, with original music by Guillermo Silva. If you like what you heard in the show, I'd love it if you reached out and let me know. You can contact me online on X. My handle is at Shane, and I'm also on LinkedIn too. You can also subscribe to my newsletter at shaneleaning.com or using those links in the show notes. But as always, if we don't speak before, I'll see you here next week. If you want to improve recruitment and retention of great teachers in your school, don't forget to check out the University of Warwick's teacher training programs using the links in the show notes.